0: We're going to turn our Bibles to the first book of the Bible, um, Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read 18 to 20 at the beginning. I'm talking about Joseph tonight, so you can follow along if you'd like. Make sure that I'm not making up any verses. It's always a good thing to do. Not that I have. <laughs> it's not really a good thing to joke about. But it's always good to make sure that we're in the Bible. Genesis 37, uh, 18 to 20, it says, When they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Uh, let's just, we're going to pray one more time, and then we'll pray again another time after, hopefully. If all goes well, let's just pray before we go to the Word tonight. Jesus, we thank you. Hallelujah, God, for your spirit, your anointing that's here, God. thank you for your Word. I pray, God, that you would speak to us through your Word tonight. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would get into our hearts. God, that you would root out anything that needs to be taken out. God, you know. You know everything, God. You know what we're dealing with, God. You know our hearts. I pray, God, that you would work and minister tonight. In Jesus' name, let your will be done, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can uh, be seated if you want. Um, I said before, sometimes my messages are like a journey. Kind of go through a story. Um, We got somewhere we're going, but we'll see some things on the way. And we'll get to where we're going eventually. But I'm not going to tell you what the, I'm going to mix everything up. I'm not going to tell you what the title of this is until the end. Because if I do, then you know where we're going. There's a twist. So stay awake. Stay on your <laughs> of your seats. Uh, most of us are familiar with the story of Joseph. Um, it's one of the more popular stories from the Old Testament. It's been made into musicals. I don't know how accurate it is, I haven't seen the musical, but this dream coat. Um, it's made into movies. Um, it's one of the more popular stories. Uh, but a man had two wives, sisters they were, and he loved one of them more than the other. Um, I don't know much about having more than one wife, but I can't imagine that's a good plan. But uh, these two sisters, they competed with each other to see who could give their husband the most children. Um, they even threw their servants in to, to help their cause. And In the end, this man Jacob, or Israel, as he was also known, ended up with 12 sons. Joseph and Benjamin, they were the ones born by his favorite wife. and She passed away shortly after giving birth to Benjamin. So Joseph, um, being the older of the two, became the favorite son of his father Jacob or Israel. It says in Genesis 37 and 3. That's not the right one. What am I doing? I missed one. Anyways, I put the wrong verse. 37 and 3 it says Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his other children because he was the son of his old age and he made him of coat of many colors. So um, Jacob makes Joseph this special coat and he um, it makes him stand out. And it's one thing to think that your parents favor your brother more than you. I'm sure those of us that have siblings at one point or another, we've thought that maybe we weren't the favorite. Um, maybe they liked the other one more than me. It's one thing to think that. It's an entirely different thing to know it. You know, for them to tell everyone else, to put a coat, a special coat on one of them. And say, this guy, I like this guy better than the other 11. This guy is a special one. I like him most. So what do you think happens? So his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren. They hated him. That's what's going to happen when you do that. They hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. So something wells up in these brothers. Their father loves Joseph more than them, and something switches in inside of them, and Joseph goes from just being their brother to now he's their enemy. Now they hate Joseph. Now they can't stand him. They can't even speak to him peaceably. They can't even speak to him without being aggressive or fighting with him or just... You know, every conversation is dripping with sarcasm and and snark, and there's this bitterness underneath every word that they say to Joseph. There's an anger every time they see his face, and there's this deep-seated jealousy there, and they just plain old hate this guy through no fault of his own. Joseph did nothing to warrant this hate. Joseph didn't go to his father and say, Hey, Dad, why don't you make me a special coat? Because I know you like me more than my brothers. Joseph didn't ask to be the favorite. He didn't try to undermine his brothers and and prove to, to Papa that he was better than them. He didn't do anything like that. Joseph didn't start rumors about his brothers and make them look worse than him. So Jacob would love him more. He didn't do anything like this. He wasn't a tattletale. He wasn't a pest. He he wasn't whining. He didn't get them into trouble. He didn't do any of these things. All Joseph did was be born by Rachel. All Joseph did was put on a coat his father gave him. That's all he did. And his brother's hatred stemmed from the fact that Jacob loved Joseph more. And as far as I can tell, Jacob is completely oblivious to this hatred. In fact, in the next verse, Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And Joseph, he has a dream. The first people he goes to share it with are his brothers. I don't think he knew they hated him. I think he was completely in the dark. The first people he goes to tell this dream to are his brothers. He has a dream, and he's so excited i got to go tell Reuben. i got to go tell Simeon and Levi and Judah, Dan and Naphtali. They're going to want to hear about this dream I had. I bet Gad and Asher are going to love this dream and Issachar and, and Zebulun. I've got to tell them the dream. They're going to be so excited. It was an amazing dream. I've had a dream and I'm going to go share it with my brothers and they're going to love it. It's incredible. And Joseph seemingly has zero clue about how his brothers feel about him. And I'm sure you haven't had to do this or ever experienced this in your life, but maybe you have. Maybe you've just really not liked someone for whatever reason. because it could just be me. I'm sure you guys never just disliked someone for, for a reason. Or ever been just so upset with someone over something and then someday you decide, I'm going to make this right. And if you haven't, you should. It's a different lesson for another day. But I've ever done this. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to apologize for this anger, this bitterness I've had toward them. And you go and you try to talk to them. And they have no sweet clue what you're talking about. Has that ever happened? Oh, I'm sorry for this thing I said 20 years ago. I don't remember it. He's absolutely oblivious, and you find it all along, you've just wasted years being upset about something. I'm sure that's not happened to anyone else. But Joseph's that guy. He's completely oblivious to how his brothers feel about him. Eventually he's going to find out, but right now he's completely oblivious. He doesn't seem to know that they, they hate him, has no clue at all. And so he goes with his brothers and he tells them his dreams. He says, we're all working in the field. We're gathering sheaves of wheat and behold, my sheaf stands up in the middle. And get this, guys, your sheaves, they gathered around they bowed down to mine. Isn't that cool, Gad? Why are you looking at me like that? Isn't that cool? I mean, didn't you think that was neat, Dan? You know, your sheaves, bowed down to that's so weird, right? Like, that was a, and they, they snap at them. And they said, are you saying that you're going to rule over us? Are you crazy? Who do you think you are? What is this dream? And the Bible says they hated him even more for his dream and the words that were coming out of his mouth. And some people, you you thinking you can get along with them. And then they open their mouth. They remember why you didn't in the first place. And Joseph opens his mouth and shares his dream and his brothers remembered why they hated him in the first place. And he unknowingly just keeps adding fuel to this fire of hatred they have for him. They hate him even more. I don't even know how that's possible, but they do. And then Joseph comes back later and says, guess what, fellas? I had another dream. Oh, boys, you're going to love this one. Last time it was the sheaves, and they bowed, and this, I got, I can't even wait to tell you. this time, oh, dad, dad, come here, and you got to listen to this one. This one's incredible. This time, I'm in the dream, right, and then, and then there's the sun, and there's the moon, and there's like 11 stars, and they all bow down to me. <laughs> Can you believe it? This is amazing, this is an incredible dream that I have. And his father, at this time, he even rebukes him. <laughs> and he's had enough of this. His father, the one that loves him more than his brothers. he says, what is this dream? Am I, and your mother, going to bow down <laughs> to you? And um, Genesis thirty-seven eleven says, his brothers were jealous of him. But his father keeps the saying in his mind. He remembers it, and he keeps it. And his brothers now, they're jealous. So now in the story, we've got his brothers, um, and they were, they were hating him, and finally, this jealousy appears, and they hate him because of his words, they hate him because of his dreams, and they hate him because of his coat, and they hate him because of his father's love for him, they're jealous of him, because they want to be him, right? Right? And there's a, there's a difference between hatred and jealousy. I know they're often together, peanut butter and jelly. They're often found together, but they're not the same thing. They're, there's a difference. Jealousy means you want what the the other person has. Hatred doesn't mean that. And often, you know, they can be found together, but they're not the same. And so this dream of the sheaves, it's a physical thing. The sheaves, they... They represent Joseph ruling over his brothers or being better than his brothers or whatever you want to say, physically. And they hate him for that. But the sun and the moon and the stars, they're celestial, they're in the sky. They are heavenly beings. Um, They represent the spiritual. And they indicate that Joseph one day is going to rule over his brothers, not just physically, but also spiritually. And it's bad enough that Joseph was better or, or higher than them physically, but spiritually, that's a whole other thing. And his brother's jealousy over this dream reveals something in them, that they have at least some sort of spiritual ambition, that they want to be great themselves spiritually it's in some way. And this is what causes them to get jealous. And time goes on, and one day Joseph is home, and his brothers are out working. And that's another reason to hate him. There's only one of them not working, and the rest of you are. You know, you'd probably be a little upset about that. And so he's home, uh, and Jacob sends Joseph out to go check on his brothers and see what they're doing. He tracks them down, and while he's a long way off, they see him coming because, you know, he's got that coat. Stands out in the desert. And they know it's Joseph, and they see him coming. And it says that when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. So this hatred for Joseph, it's brewed long enough and it comes to a boiling point. While they see him coming, before he even gets near to them, they start conspiring to kill him. It's one thing to hate your brother. It's another thing to be jealous of your brother. But planning to kill him, that's a whole other, that's too far. In my opinion, I don't know, you can kill your brothers if you want, I guess. But for me, that's too far. I'm not going to go that far. It says in verse 19, and they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. And come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And they start mocking him, and they say, Oh, here comes the dreamer, Mr. Dream man, I don't know. Here he comes, the guy with all the dreams. And they take the thing, they take the gift that God has given Joseph. And they turn it around like it's some sort of insult. Oh, here comes the prophet. Oh, here comes the intercessor. Here comes Mr. Spiritual. Oh, look at him. There's Mr. Soulware coming down the road. And look at, oh my goodness, here he comes. And so, in their hatred and jealousy of their brother, they start coming up with a plan. Let's take this dreamer out. Let's get rid of him. Everything would be so much better if Joseph wasn't around. Our father might love us more. Maybe we'll get the blessings. He can't rule over us if he's dead. I ain't bowing down to him. He's not better than us spiritually if we destroy him. So let's get rid of him. We'll kill him, they said. And we'll throw him in a pit. And everyone will think an animal got to them. And then it says this, And we shall see what will become Of his dreams. They hated Joseph long before he had any dreams. It was bad enough that Jacob loved him. But now it looks to them like God Almighty himself prefers Joseph over them. It was the dreams that put them over the edge. It was the fact that God was using Joseph and not them. The fact that God was giving Joseph dreams and visions. And he was speaking to Joseph. He wasn't speaking to Reuben or Simeon or Levi. I don't know what to, you know. God was speaking to to Joseph and not them. And they were jealous of his relationship with God. And I can take it if a person loves someone else more than me. That's fine. I can live with that. I like certain people more than others. I know you're not going to believe that. But that's how it is. We all do. That's how we are. But if God loves them more than me, if God favors them more than me, I don't know what to do with that. And that's how they're seeing this. God's favoring Joseph more than them. There's a problem when we see God's favor as favoritism. It's not the same thing. Joseph wasn't God's favorite, but God was showing them favor. We can get that mixed up and we can see someone else and showing God's favor I think that means that he's showing them favoritism that's not the same God's not supposed to be like I've God's favoring someone else more God loves someone else more I don't know how to even deal with that because he's not like that he's not supposed to be like that he's not supposed to favor one son above the other we know he doesn't but sometimes it can appear that way and this is how the brothers are seeing this so they say, Let's see what's going to happen to his dreams. Let's see. And they say, Let's see what's going to happen to his dream. Let's see if we bow down to him now. If we kill him. Let's see. Mocking his dreams and undermining his relationship with God and doubting that they were even real in the first place. When God gives a dream, it's going to happen whether you kill the dreamer or not. They're kind of undermining the whole thing. Let's see what becomes of his dreams. Dreams, they'll never come to pass if he's dead. And it wasn't just Joseph they were trying to destroy, it was his dreams as well. And Reuben, the oldest, the one with some sense, he's not part of this conversation. The other brothers are talking, he overhears it. And he tells them, You know, don't actually kill him. Why don't we just throw him? There's a pit over here, it's, a, it's an empty well. And why don't we just throw him into here? Um, and he plans on rescuing him later to bring him back to his father. This way, if we just leave him here, it's, it's not really our fault, and the blood's not really on our hands. It's just whatever. You know, he plans on coming back um, and bringing him back to his father. Reuben doesn't want to kill Joseph. He may hate him, he may be jealous, but he's thinking of his father in this situation. He knows his father loves Joseph, and he doesn't want to break his father's heart. And so they agree with Reuben. They say, well, let's just throw him in the pit. That's easier, that's less messy. Um and Joseph this whole time he's been walking toward them, and he finally gets to his brothers and they rough him up. And they rip that precious coat off his back and they throw him in this pit, or the Bible said it was a pit without water, so it's a, it's a well with no water in it. And it says they sat down to eat bread, they just threw him in there and they sit down to eat together. And they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a Company of Ishmaelites coming or came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brother, "What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content." And there. Then there passed by Midianites, merchant men, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Israelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. So they sit down to eat. And they see some Israelites coming. And Judah comes up with the idea. You know, what's the point just killing them? Why don't we make some money off of this? Um, what's the point of just killing them and hiding them? Why don't we we're not gonna get anything out of that? Let's just sell them to the Israelites. Whatever happens, that's up to them. Um, that way we haven't killed him, we haven't destroyed him, we just turned him over to someone else. The blood's not on our hands, we get some profit out of it, we get a little something. And the rest of the boys agree, except Reuben, because apparently he's off doing something else. Do you know who the Ishmaelites were? The family of Ishmael. Abraham had two sons. Isaac was the grandfather of these boys in Ishmael. They're their cousins. That's the crazy part of the story. They sell them to their cousins. Well, we're not really doing anything bad, we're turning them over turning them over to our cousins. Their family, it's okay. And they do it, and then Reuben comes back later and finds out what they've done, and he freaks out he starts yelling at him and tearing his clothes. What are we going to do? Our dad's going to be so upset he lo- Don't you realize how much he loves Joseph? What are we going to tell him? You're going to kill him. You're going to break his heart. But the others end that, that far ahead. And so they take Joseph's coat and they rip it up and they dip it in some blood. And they bring it back to their father. And he comes to the conclusion that his son's been destroyed and killed by some animals. And his heart is broken. And then Joseph, he goes on to become a slave in the house of a man named Potiphar in Egypt. And he finds favor with Potiphar because of his good work ethic and his attitude and his honesty and his Trust, trustworthiness and Potiphar's wife. She tries to seduce him, and when it doesn't work, she accuses him of assault, and Joseph gets thrown in prison. And in prison, he slowly becomes a favorite and ends up basically running the entire prison and Pharaoh throws two of his servants, a cupbearer and a baker, in jail and they each have a dream and Joseph interprets the dream while he's in prison and both interpretations come to pass. The cupbearer lives and the baker dies and two years later, Pharaoh himself has a dream. Seven fat cows are eaten by seven skinny cows, seven good ears of corn are eaten by seven dried up ears of corn and he's disturbed by it and he's confused what does this dream mean it was so real and vivid i need to know it's got to have a meaning and none of his people none of his staff can figure out what the dream means and the cupbearer overhears it. and he remembers joseph from two years ago and pharaoh calls him out of prison and he has joseph interpret the dream and it means that there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine and joseph tells pharaoh that they need to stock up on supplies during the seven years of plenty so they can survive the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh is so impressed, he promotes Joseph to the top position in the country. And he oversees this whole operation. And Egypt actually becomes very wealthy because of it. Because they're the only ones with food for miles around. And the famine comes and it's so great that it reaches Joseph's family where they're at. His brothers and father, his mother's passed away by now. And they hear that there is food in Egypt. And they come and lo and behold, it's Joseph that they meet. They don't recognize him because he looks like an Egyptian now. and They don't expect to see him. And it's been years. And what do they do? They bow before him, just like in the dreams. And it all comes to pass. And Joseph, we know, forgives his brothers and brings them to Egypt, and they live for the rest of the famine, and they they overstay their welcome 400 and some years until Moses leads them out. But Joseph says the most incredible thing after this is all over and done. He says that through it all, God was working, and years later, after his father passes away and his brothers are worried that he's going to get revenge on them, he says... um, Genesis 15, 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God made it unto you to bring to pass, and as it is this day, to save much people alive. He has this incredible attitude that God has no hard feelings against his brothers or anything like that. And now I'm going to preach, if you'll let me, for a few minutes. And through all of that, but Joseph does not get bitter. And through all of that, Joseph does not get angry. And through all of that, Joseph does not blame his brothers. And through it all, he keeps his heart and his attitude right. And Joseph remains faithful to God. And through it all, he remains comfortable in his calling. He doesn't tell the cupbearer or the baker or pharaoh, Sorry, I don't do dreams anymore. Dreams are what got me to this problem in the first place. He stays comfortable in the, in the calling that God's put on his life. He stays positive. He works hard. He keeps believing in God. He keeps holding on to those dreams. And eventually through his faithfulness, and um, he sees them come to pass. And most of us we're familiar with this story. We've heard it in Sunday school, we've heard it preached, we've seen the movie the movies, maybe, and we've we've heard the story before. And it's an incredible story about an incredible man who remains faithful and upright throughout his life, and how God honors him and turns a bad situation into a good one. And as soon as I started talking about Joseph, no doubt you had an idea. In your mind, where I was going, and I was going to tell you just hold on to those dreams. Be faithful, and God's going to see you through and hold on, and all of that. If you allow me, I'm going to preach for a couple minutes in an entirely different direction than that. My title is I Am Not Joseph. And no doubt you've heard it preached. You need to be faithful. You need to hold on to your dreams. You got to keep the right attitude. God's going to come through. Hold on. Even if you're in prison, even if it's in the darkest moments of your life, just hold on. God's going to bring you through. And whenever we hear a Bible story, we automatically identify with the main character. Whenever we hear any story, we identify with the hero. Whenever someone preaches, they preach about the hero. They identify with the hero. I did it this morning with Peter. That's what we naturally do. When we preach about David and Goliath, we talk about slaying our own giants. Like David did. talk about taking that step of faith like David did. We preach about the prodigal son. We identify with the prodigal and say, God's going to welcome you home. Just come back home to him. And talk about the love the father has for the prodigal. Not often about the other son. We're Moses taking that step of faith. Raising the staff and seeing the Red Sea parted. And we're Esther, born for such a time as this. We're Gideon, afraid, but willing to obey. We're Peter, stepping out of the boat, taking that step of faith, walking on the water. We're Samuel, speak for your servant heareth, where Abraham, leaving everything behind to follow the will of God, right? We always identify with the hero. But the thing is, statistically, it may hurt your feelings. You are not the hero. We are not the hero, statistically. There was one boy named David who killed a giant. He has seven older brothers and an entire army and a king cowering from the giant. There was one man named Moses and thousands of murmuring Israelites. There was one prodigal son and there was one that was home. There was one Esther and countless other Jews. There was one Gideon, and thousands of others who were afraid, and they went home, and they didn't do anything. There was one Peter who stepped into the boat, and 11 other disciples who stayed in it. There was one little boy named Samuel, countless others in Israel. There was one Abraham who took the journey, and many other men who did not. There was one Joseph who had the dreams, and went through all that stuff, and saw God's will come to pass in his life. But there were 11 brothers who didn't and we want to be the hero we want to be Joseph or David or Samuel or Abraham or Esther or Peter or whoever your favorite Bible character is we want to be those people in our heads we often are but in reality I'm not Joseph I'm not David I'm not Peter I'm not the prodigal I'm the other brother I'm the other son I'm the cowering soldier I'm the disciple in the boat, trying to keep it afloat. I'm the brother who didn't get the dreams and the visions. I'm the disciple keeping the boat going while Jesus and Peter are going for a stroll on the waves. I'm the other son staying home and keeping the farm running while the prodigal's out doing whatever he wants. And he comes home and gets a welcome home party. I'm the soldier that doesn't want to die, so I don't challenge the giant. We want to identify with the hero of the story, and that's okay. The heroes teach us things and how to live and not to live. The heroes teach us about God's calling and His will. But what if I'm not the hero? What if I'm not Joseph? What then? We like to be the hero because then everything's about me. Everyone supports us. Everyone gets to see my dreams come to pass. Everyone gets to see what God's going to do through me. Everyone gets to see me kill the giant. Everyone gets to see me overcome this thing. They can watch me take the step of faith, but what if we aren't? Joseph, what then? So we look at it this way, the question becomes, can I support my brother when God gives the dream to him and not to me? We saw Joseph's brothers. They they had spiritual ambitions. That's what causes them to be jealous. When God gives a dream to my brother and not to me, can I support him anyway? Well, the door doesn't open for me, and it opens for them. Can I not get bitter? Can I keep the boat upright and floating while someone else is taking the step of faith into the miraculous? If all the disciples got out of the boat, they would have lost it. Can I help prepare the fatted calf and rejoice with my father when the prodigal comes home? I want the party for me, but can I do it for them? Can I let my brother face that giant without saying something snarky and sarcastic? Do I have his back if he needs it? Can I not be the hero? Or are we like Joseph's brothers? Do we hate our brother and sister when God starts using them instead of us? Are we jealous? of the church down the road? Are we jealous when God speaks to them and not to me? When the door opens for someone else and not for me? Can I step aside and let God fulfill the dream that he gives someone else without trying to tear them down? Oh, here comes the dreamer. He thinks he's so special. Or do I try to destroy my brother? Do I turn him over just to get rid of him? Just so I don't have to see his face anymore? Do I try to drive him away and get him out of my life so I'm not reminded of what God's doing in his life? Can I be okay with my brother having the dream and seemingly being exalted over me? I'm not always Joseph. Sometimes I'm Reuben. Sometimes I'm Simeon and Levi and Judah or Dan or Naphtali. Sometimes I'm Gad or Asher, or Issachar or Zebulun or Benjamin. I'm not always Peter, sometimes I'm James and John and Andrew and Philip and Judas the Greater. Sometimes I'm Nathaniel or Matthew or Thomas or sometimes I'm James the son of Elpheus or Simon and yes, sometimes I'm even Judas Iscariot. It's easier when I'm Joseph and I have the dream and I have the vision and I've got the calling. It's easier when I'm Peter and Jesus is calling me out onto the water. It's easier when all of heaven is rejoicing because I repented but can I be the other? We are the body of Christ and we each have our own place and our own purpose and our own calling, if you will. And issues arise when we get jealous and envious of each other. And sometimes... In our bodies, the eyes are the heroes of the day. Sometimes you spot something quite dangerous and save yourself from it. When you're driving, maybe you see something on the road and you stop or you swerve. Sometimes the eyes are the heroes, sometimes it's the ears. Sometimes you hear something rustling, a bear, a skunk. Not dangerous, but they're annoying. Sometimes your ears (laughs) <laughs> the burglar. I hear them all the time, whether they're there or not. Sometimes the nose saves a day. Sometimes you smell something burning. Sometimes the hands brace us when we fall and protect the body. Each member has a different purpose and a different calling, and sometimes different ones are the heroes. We need to be able to step back sometimes and let God use someone else. I'm not saying we always got to step back i preach plenty of messages about us being used, but there's sometimes we need to step back and be able to support someone else. We don't need to control everything and everyone. Joseph's brothers thought that God was favoring him over them, which is nonsense. But there are times when we can feel like that. I know that I have. I've seen people my age, people that went to Bible school together, with. I've seen doors open for them that I wish would open for me. And many times I've not been a good brother. Many times I've been jealous and I've had to ask for forgiveness. One guy in particular I can think of, and I won't say his name because you'll know him, but God began to deal with me about it and I started to let it go. And then I heard him preach one of the most incredible and impacting messages I've ever heard in my entire life. And if I hadn't been able to let that go, it wouldn't have been able to do anything to me. It made a huge difference in my life. And if I can't let go and accept that sometimes God is going to use someone else, maybe even someone I don't think he should, then I'm going to be in a world of trouble and I'm going to miss out what God's going to do in my life as well. Joseph's brothers were jealous of the dreams but could any of them go through what Joseph went through to see it come to pass? I doubt it. They couldn't even take the fact that Joseph had a nicer coat than them. What are they going to do when Potiphar accuses them, or Potiphar's wife accuses them, throws them in prison? How will they respond to that? And sure, Peter walked on water and Peter preached the day of Pentecost, but Peter was also rebuked publicly more than any other disciple. And Peter was the one who sank in the water too, and Peter had his shares of issues as well. It's not just a dream and a calling. There's things that we need to go through in order to see them come to pass, and so God would give those dreams and callings to the ones he knows can go through those things. He knows what he's doing. And he gives different dreams and different callings to to other people. The problem is when we see God's favor, like we said, as as favoritism. We see God working with someone else, and that means he doesn't like me. The real test isn't, can I hold on to the dream that God gave me? And if he's given you dreams, yes, hold on to them. The real test is, can I believe the dream that God gave my brother? I want the dreams God has given me to come to pass. Do I ever? I want the things God has placed in my heart to come to pass. But can I do the same for my brother? Can I cheer them on? Can I support them? I don't know if this message is even for anyone tonight. Maybe it's just for me. But we need to understand that sometimes I am not Joseph. Sometimes God gives a dream to someone else. And sometimes a door opens for someone else before it opens for me. And that's okay. Because if I can support them, it benefits all of us. Joseph's dream saved his family. Joseph's dream changed their lives. And it wasn't until they finally accepted it years later. They could have said, no, we're going back. and We're going to figure this out on our own. We don't need food from Egypt. We don't need to go to Egypt. We don't need Joseph's help. They could have refused. But eventually they came to accept that dream that God gave them, or God gave Joseph. And it was that dream that saved the entire family. So today we're going to pray. The Bible tells us, Ephesians 5 and 21, it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God that of respect and reverence for God, we need to be able to submit to each other and let God do what He wants in their lives. If God gives them a call, if He opens the door for them, if He gives them a dream, or gives them a revival, or gives them a ministry, I'm going to help them. I'm going to submit to them. I'm going to support them. I'll get out of the way. I'll do whatever I need to encourage. I'm not going to throw my brother in a pit. Although God used all that to, to bring it to pass. But I'll do whatever I need to encourage and lift them up and see it happen in their lives. And so we're going to pray here in a minute. Um, for each other. I'm not going to ask you to if you're a hater, you're jealous of someone, go pray with them. And it's a good idea to to do that, but I'm not going to ask that <laughs> and have you whatever. made that really awkward for everyone. I what if we could pray for each other. God's, A lot of us, we've been here for many years, and God's given us dreams, and God's given us visions, and sometimes we can get frustrated, we can get jealous, we can get upset. Who do they think they are? Why is God going to save their family? He hasn't saved mine. Why is God going to do this in their life? He hasn't done it in mine. We can get upset. We can get jealous. Sometimes people will say, oh, I had this dream. And they sh- sit down. We can have that attitude. So, I wonder if we could just pray tonight. Pray for each other. Pray for each other's families. You guys know each other better than I do. You know things that God's done and God wants to do. Let's just pray for each other. If you've been struggling with someone else, let's let that go today. Let's stand. We're gonna let's do that together. Let's pray. Let's find a place. Let's. I really don't know how else to end it. Really, I'm not Joseph. You might be Joseph. It's my job to support you. It's my job to lift you up and hold you. So let's do that tonight. Let's let's pray for each other. If you want to find someone to lay hands on whatever, let's just let's just find a place. Let's pray. Let's make sure that we're not acting like these other brothers. Out of jealousy and hatred. Let's make sure our hearts are right with God, with each other tonight. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.